Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Melissa's and Andrew Bogus with you here on this Monday morning on CBS Sports Radio. An hour down, two to play with as we take it right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams, and for 30 years, they've been making a better Rocket Mortgage. Push button, get mortgage. You've got Shep and Pete across the way. Other side, Pete McCarthy has got your updates. There's a couple hours left to play with. Dan Wolkin's going to join us. USA Today, talk a little bit about the college uh, bowl season. We look ahead to the uh, two national semifinals, which come your way this Saturday. Uh, Amazingly enough, I mean, crazy how quickly that's come up on us. It felt like when they named the four teams that we have to wait for forever for these games to get here. And this morning, I see video of LSU getting off the plane. I know, it's crazy. They're already in town. There's there's media availability today ahead of Saturday's game. I know, but I'm looking forward to those are going to be two great games. I really am. I mean, I, I well, I should say this. I'm nervous about LSU-Oklahoma. Uh, that's fair. That's the, And that's exactly what I was going to clarify. And LSU-Oklahoma, I'd be a little bit concerned about, especially with the fact that there's going to be four players on Oklahoma that are right. suspended. They're not going to be playing in the game. And another guy is hurt. So, yeah, this is – I don't – they weren't going to win in the first place. Um, now I think, you know, uh, Clemson, Ohio State better be good just to make sure Saturday's okay. I'd agree with you. Yeah, I'd agree with you. All right, so a little NFL here uh, to kick off this hour. We let off the program talking about the disappointment of the Dallas Cowboys and a credit to the Philadelphia Eagles and a 17-9 victory down in Philadelphia yesterday at the link as the Eagles now control their own destiny. They beat the, they beat the Giants in Week 17. They're in. The Cowboys would have to beat the Redskins and have the Giants beat the Eagles for them to win the NFC East at a record of 8-8. Eight and eight. But the Cowboys, uh, with a victory yesterday, would have ended it all. And they did not, as the Eagles, uh, banged up it all, are able to get the win. And what was, a, you know, an intriguing day. We touched upon the Steelers and the Jets. I mean, a couple other games of, of note, uh, you know, over the course of the weekend. Number one, that Bills-Patriots game. Uh, 24-17, the Patriots victorious over the Buffalo Bills. One thing I'd say this about New England is, yes, they win the AFC East. Yes, we understand how good they are up in Foxborough. Yes, they're not going to be the number one seed. That's going to be the Baltimore Ravens as the Ravens get another victory yesterday, uh, riding that winning streak against the Cleveland Browns. But, um, Bogus, I I don't know if the Pats are all of a sudden going to figure it out offensively. They got back to running the football and running Sony Michelle and James White catching the ball out of the backfield. We know how good Edelman is at the wide receiver position. There's just not a lot to work with up there in Foxborough. No, but here is the, and and this might be me over worrying about them because I, I 
dislike them so much and have come to understand and appreciate just how crafty and talented and obviously legendary they are, they're go- I, they're going to be the two seed. So they're going to have a weekend off. Then they're going to have a home game. And they're not going to lose to whomever that game is against in Foxborough. So now they're in the AFC title game. It's presumably in Baltimore. And once you're in that game, then, you know, all bets are off. And I just, like, I I can't write them off until they're dead, until they're in the ground, third on top, casket sealed. I can't write them off until then, especially because, you know, they showed me Saturday exactly what my fear is in that place in December, in January. They just find a way to win. I thought the Bills were going to get that one, and go, like, oh, here we go, another another conversation. Right, they have about, a 17-13 right. lead in the third. And you're thinking here, you know, the Bills are legit. The Pats taking another step back. Now they're losing at home late in the season, and then, boom, all of a sudden the game's over, and they've won. And they've won, and they get the defensive stand. Now, listen, I'm not writing them off, but I will say this. Can we look at and, and, and look at that offense and say they are going to be a struggle offensively, that there is not going to be – they're not all of a sudden going to find it. This isn't going to be them against the Chargers last year in the postseason or you know what they were able to do. It's going to be more a case of offensively what we saw against the Rams in the Super Bowl that they are there's no there, there's no magic formula. McDaniels no. isn't all of a sudden going to find it that it is going to be if they're able to get there, it's going to be based on that defense and that offense is going to have to struggle and stagger to find their way to 24 or 25 yeah, points a game. If you look at it in a vacuum and you take out all the extra stuff, everything that's happened in the past, all of your fears or hopes and dreams about them, if you look at it, they're not the second-best team in the AFC. Like The Chiefs are better than them. They are. And, and if it's KC in that second weekend, then KC should win in Foxborough. But we've seen stranger things. And I trust Belichick and Brady too much. Maybe I don't trust the other teams enough, but I, I I just think when push comes to shove, they're going to be in the AFC title game. I don't, again, in the same kind of vacuum, they shouldn't win in Baltimore, but they've won too many times when they shouldn't have won before to have any kind of confidence in them not going all the way to the Super Bowl again. I just, uh, I, I, I know it's crazy, and I'm definitely overthinking things here, but I just... They deserve a little credit and a little respect until they are they literally can't play any more games this year. Now, you mentioned the Baltimore Ravens, and clearly they're the team to be in the AFC, and you might make the argument to the entire National Football League. Is they I are, would, yeah. Yeah, they are a 13-2 team. Although um, we don't know what Mark Ingram's injury is. Well, that yesterday. is true, and that was a little bit scary. But as long as Lamar Jackson is upright, um, you know, that that's the big key is he's the runaway MVP of the National Football League. 31-15 to the good yesterday out in Cleveland, the Browns, against the team that was the last team to beat them. Remember right. when Cleveland went in there? Nick Chubb, I mean, running a rough shot over that Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah. You know, we're going all the way back to week four, week five of the NFL regular season before. And that was the last game the Baltimore Ravens lost. It's amazing how easy they make it look right now. They've got a lot of answers in that defensive secondary. Offensively, though, what Lamar Jackson can do and the speed in which he plays the game athletically when he breaks containment, I don't think there's a there's not a faster quarterback. I would say there's not a faster running back uh, in the National Football League than Lamar Jackson right now, and his ability to throw off the run and make accurate throws, make use of those tight ends. He's got Hollywood Brown as their big deep threat, uh, and they are a motivated bunch. And Harbaugh, you talked about earlier when we were talking about Garrett lighting a fire under the team. Right. The speeches he gives to his team after these wins, 
in terms of don't let up and everything like that. I mean, you want to run through a uh, you want to run through a brick wall for John Harbaugh. Yeah, and and Lamar yesterday made my favorite Lamar Jackson play maybe ever. It wasn't a touchdown, wasn't a pass. It was a run. Um, he's he escapes to the right side. He's heading up field. There's a guy chasing him. He's got his tight end Boyle and another Brown up ahead, and he's pointing at the guy behind Boyle to, for Boyle to block him. Boyle goes the other way, so the guy comes in, and Lamar gets sandwiched between these two Brown defenders. I mean, his shoulder right into his chest, So and the guy's hitting from, from behind, too, so he's bending over backwards. The guy's on TV gasp. I gasp. Is this the hit that knocks Lamar Jackson out? They're in front at that point, so they're about to win again. They're about to be number one, and before he's even... You can check to see if he's okay. He's looking at Boyle going, dude, I told you to block the guy that just <laughs> killed me. And he gets up and he pats Boyle on the head. He pats the guy on the head who hit him, and he's back to the huddle fine. He's great. I mean, he's just indestructible. He it's, really it's is. It's remarkable. You know, and he is, he is so much fun to watch. Yep. There are many guys in the National Football League, you know, Jackson, Mahomes, that if you're a fan of another team, that they would be worth the price of admission to pay to go watch them play. Lamar Jackson's one. You know, to be there in person to watch Mahomes throw the ball 65 yards on a line. Uh, you know, Rodgers would be another. There aren't a lot of guys in the NFL that you'd say, I'm going there just to see that player. Yeah. But Lamar Jackson's one of those guys. I saw a tweet last night. I I want to say it was from Jeff Schwartz. It was from it was from a former old lineman who now covers the game. I can and I can I can tell you that. And he said the tweet said, It's hard for me to look at the next decade assuming health and picking anyone but Lamar and Mahomes to be the MVP. Yeah. Now, there's always an outlier. Everyone could have a historically good year somewhere else. But those two guys are set up to be the most dynamic players in this league for a long time. And they're likable. Yep. They're good guys. Right. They work their rear end off. Yep. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, look at me kind of mentality. It's all about the team. There's nothing not to like about either two of those guys and the way that they conduct themselves in the National Football League. It's amazing. It really is. And as you're doing that, I'm, I'm watching Mahomes. I didn't see this live last night. Coming off the field for a touchdown, he's he's counting to himself up to 10. Yeah. All the guys that were taken before him, including the Bears and Trubisky in the draft a couple of years ago. Well, think about John Ross being right. one of those guys with the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that is cool. But, you know, and you know what? Guys use that as motivation. Yeah. And for Mahomes, you know, you look at – and there were a number of teams aside from Kansas City that like Patrick Mahomes. Right. Uh, McAdoo with the Giants, love Mahomes. Uh, Peyton down in New Orleans, love Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. So it wasn't only Andy Reid that looked at him and said, you know, he's our guy or he's going to be an absolute stud in the national. There were other teams that liked him. McAdoo with the Giants, love Mahomes. Right. And even, you know, going back to John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, I thought it was last week or two weeks ago, he um, a very honest and funny admission. He's like, having another question about, you know, did you think Lamar could be this good? And he was like, you know, um, no, because he wasn't even our first first-round pick. Yeah. They got Mark. They took, um, not Mark Andrews. He was a third-round pick. They took Hayden Hurst in that first round before Lamar Jackson. And then Lamar Jackson's still sitting there. Yeah. So it was like, we probably could have taken him, you know, earlier in the first round, but we didn't. Uh, but either way, it has worked out remarkably well, better than anyone could have expected in Baltimore. No doubt about it. Remarka things have worked out remarkably well for the New Orleans Saints as they knock off the Tennessee Titans by 10 yesterday, 38-28. No Derrick Henry, which was a disappointment for fantasy players yesterday yeah. um, and for the Tennessee Titans. That bell cow running back for Tennessee and for Mike Vrabel. Uh, they get the benefit of the Steelers' loss to the Jets to where the Titans control their own destiny. They yep. win. 
And they're going to be a wild card team in the AFC as the rejuvenation of Ryan Tannehill does continue. But the New Orleans Saints trail this game 14-0 early and then come steamrolling back. 10 in the second, 21 in the third. Kamara with a couple of touchdowns. He's been a massive disappointment in terms of production this year. Yeah. But he had 90 yards on the ground and a score. You look at Michael Thomas. He sets the new single second, single season receptions mark for a receiver. He had 12 catches for a buck 36 and a touchdown yesterday afternoon as the Saints win that game by 10, or one of the teams in the NFC that could be reckoned with that can get themselves to the Super Bowl. That was a really weird game. So, you know, the way yesterday kind of played out, they were not, there were a handful of games, and, you know, at my Giants and your Redskins, um, that didn't mean anything, like, in terms of playoffs. I, you know, Chase Young is one thing, the Bengals and Dolphins playing from their one pick, it's another. So, like, they the games were thinned out a little bit, plus the, because of the three on Saturday, where I basically was able to watch Saints-Titans almost uninterrupted alongside Ravens-Browns because those, to me, were the, the two you know, right. more significant well, games. Well, you mentioned it. Jaguars-Falcons meant nothing. Nothing. Panthers-Colts meant nothing. Nope. Bengals-Dolphins meant nothing. Nope. Giants-Skins meant nothing. Yep. Lions-Broncos meant nothing. Yeah. Uh, Chargers-Raiders had meaning. Uh, which, I didn't, which I didn't realize it for a while, and yeah. apparently Raider people didn't, didn't, didn't realize, realize it either. either. Right. I think the Raider fan, after yeah. basically riding this losing streak, but, you know, I interrupted you. But, yeah, you're right. There were uh, basically four or five games yesterday that meant nothing. Yeah. It was for the gambler, the fantasy player, or maybe if you were a hardened fan. So I had I had Saints and Titans on almost exclusively um, on my little iPad to my right, and that was a, a really strange game because the Saints didn't start well. They come charging back. I think they scored a touchdown on four consecutive possessions if you take out kneeling out the end of the first half. Um, And then they're up 31-28, and they go for a fake punt and don't get it and give the Titans possession. And at that point, we knew what the Titans had at stake. And they eventually, the Saints get the win. Um, but the, the And without Derrick Henry, the Titans hanging around, a chance to win, a chance to get back in the game. They don't get it done. Um, they remain to me a really tricky team. I, I And I don't think they're, if they get in, I'm not going to pick them to win an arrowhead. But I wouldn't want to have to deal with Derrick Henry and this pseudo-red-hot Ryan Tannehill if I was anybody in that first weekend of the playoffs. But uh, the Saints get the job done. And the Michael Thomas nugget, I don't know if we're really appreciating that enough right now and I know like football history is different it's not baseball history where you you know every particular specific number um you know before yesterday if you asked me who had the single season receptions record Marvin Harrison would not have come flying out of well, my I'm mouth a immediately guy, so I would have so known that right. yes um but when I was thinking about it yesterday I'm like in this day and age where teams pride themselves on taking away the, the best thing that you do and forcing somebody else to beat you. The yeah. fact that Michael Thomas now has 144 catches and it's on a ridiculously low number of targets. Like if you throw him the football, he catches it. He does. The, the Marvin Harrison number, I think it was almost only like 60% of the targets he caught. It's over, like, it's almost 80 for Thomas. It's right. insane. Right, so at that point, 145 catches, 176 targets. Right. Think so about that. 31 passes that were in the air that he didn't catch or Correct. didn't get into his hands. Correct. Harrison's number is far closer to 200. Correct. So, like, it's the efficiency and the fact that teams you would think are selling out to stop him and they still have this success 
is really, really impressive. No, it is. And, you know, there he wanted to get paid, and he got paid. And you know what? He's he's The production's been there, and there's been no nonsense. Nope. He, is, he is a physical marvel, and people loved him coming out of Ohio State when the New Orleans Saints drafted him in the second round. Um, and they thought he was going to be a big-time player. I don't know many people that thought he was going to be this good. Yeah. Uh, to this level, 145 catches, nearly 1,700 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns. And he added to that uh, that total yesterday with 12 catches. He's a remarkable player. There's a lot to like about what the Saints have. Kamara, even though he hasn't had a great year, he's a special running back. We know what Breeze is. You know what Michael Thomas is. There's a lot to like about that same team. They've got a lot of answers offensively. Yeah, and and I every time it happens, I'm still like, I can't believe Drew Brees is not taking a snap. But man, that they have mastered Taysom Hill. It's they a, really have the genius of Sean Payton and his staff, and the openness of the players. And he, whether he's the quarterback or a running back, he lined up at wide receiver and made a catch down the field like a wide receiver in that game yesterday. It's a whole other wrinkle. Um, they mentioned during the broadcast that that nobody has more personnel groupings than the Saints. And they're all dangerous. It I mean and it makes it that much harder to 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 defend them because it's all about numbers, right? I mean that's why the Wildcat worked at first because you're you're trying to match up one V one and have all the right kind of breakdowns. And when he's on the field because he can run it, he can throw it and he can catch it. Yeah. It just it makes it nearly impossible to figure out and because he's in different spots all the time, it's really hard to game plan for and it almost always seems to work. Like, no matter what they're doing, he gets a first down. He gets a touchdown. He gets six yards when they needed four. It's just, it's crazy, and that and it's genius. And I think some teams might have been afraid to do it, and they've never been afraid to do it, and it's paying dividends every single week. I'm going to ask Andrew if he was disappointed with a giant victory yesterday over yes. the Redskins. We'll get into that. Well, you answered it just <laughs> then and there. We'll get into that next. It's uh, Mark Malusis and Andrew Bogus on a Monday morning right here, CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. So Pete McCarthy, who's doing updates this morning, mentioned it last hour that I was happy with a Redskins loss. Um, well, yeah, I guess I was because they lose to the Giants in, in overtime, and uh, they will now finish ahead of Big Blue, and... They're one step closer here. Chase Young, obviously, number two overall pick potentially uh, coming out of Ohio State. I asked Bogus the question, and you were bothered by the Giants' win. Yes, very much so. You were rooting for a Giant loss. I was. In the chase, in the tr- uh, chase for Chase. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's the only thing I have left at this point. That's is, it. Because uh, apparently they have the quarterback and they have the running back, so now they need somebody to address other opposing quarterbacks and – Chase might have been the guy. But let me ask you this question. Yeah. Let, me, let me throw this at you. you. You have a game yesterday in which your quarterback stars in the game. I know right. it's the Redskins. He throws five touchdowns. He, he comes off two weeks in which he's dealing with an injury. You, you get the Eli Swan song a week ago. He is fantastic. He throws the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Isn't his development more important than Chase Young? Right, which is why the skin should have gone for the game-winning two-point conversion and stolen that one 36-35. And then I still have a great Daniel Jones effort and the re-emergence of Saquon Barkley. But in the end, it's a loss. 
it and is, a better draft pick. Well, I, I know you're not. I know in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to mean anything. But for for your quarterback, which is the most important position in the NFL, you can make up for more deficiencies of than more than any other position in the National Football League. Maybe outside, you know, just in front of defensive end or edge rusher on mm. defensively. Um, you know, isn't what he was able to do yesterday? Doesn't that help stymie the disappointment of a victory a little bit? Uh, no? I mean, maybe a little Five bit. Five touchdowns? But you don't I win that game 16-13. I want it you all, You win that game 41-35. Moose, I'm greedy. I wanted it all. I wanted the Jones individual performance in a loss. I was thinking 38-35. At one point, that maybe there's a there's a game. Well, Rosa's game. all of a sudden stopped yeah. and re- forgot how to kick the football. But there's a game ending. Washington By the way, can he put goal. his chin strap on properly? No. I mean, does it does he his <laughs> chin strap have to be right below his eyes? I, I don't understand that. I was asking Landetti yesterday, why does he do that? He goes, I have no idea. And he goes, and every time he kicks the football, get last year felt like everything he made was going to go through. He's a Pro Bowler for the Giants. Yeah. This year, everything he kicks, you feel like he's going to miss. Yeah. But you know, I can't get it. I can't get everything moves. Now McCarthy's do. a Jet fan, so mm. I mean, are you not, Pete? I am. Yeah. Yes, you are. A Jet I was fan. thrilled yesterday. You were thrilled. With Rack the up the wins. Let's go. I don't care about the draft. You don't care at all about the draft. Yeah, they stink at drafting. So who cares about the pick? <laughs> <laughs> win some games. Raise the bar for next year. Now it'll be playoffs or bust if they win this weekend in Buffalo. Probably won't happen. Well, I mean, now you you look at the scenario. Correct. I mean, the for the Jets here, uh, as they're sitting there and playing out the string, uh, they have a scenario here where you were excited for the win yesterday. You don't care about the draft choice. You don't care about addressing the offensive line. You want to see this team, which has won five of their last seven games. Well, I want them to address the offensive line. I think you could do it as well at 12 as you can at eight in the draft. It might not get the same the caliber of player, though. Ah. What kind of a difference is it really going to be? It's a crapshoot. Yeah, but see, you win a football game, see, and that's the difference. See, the Jets win kind of, you know, as John Madden used to call, like an old-fashioned slobber knocker, right? It's 16-10. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It's one of those games, if you're not a Steeler or a Jet fan or if you don't have money on the game or fantasy implications, it's hard sitting there watching that game. That was an ugly football game. It was fast, at least. Oh, it was. It ended about fast. 30 minutes quicker than the Giants you're game. You're right about that. Well, the Giants game felt like it never ended. I, I, yeah. I almost sent out a tweet. For some reason, the Giants and Redskins believe that NFL fans want to see more of this. <laughs> I think people want to see less of it. But that game goes to overtime. But the one positive about the Giants is Jones was a star. Now, Darnold this year has had the up-and-down year, mono early on in the season, you know, he doesn't even throw for 200 yards yesterday. I understand the Steelers are a good defense, but have you seen enough from Sam Darnold this year, Pete, our resident Jet fan, that you feel excited about what he is going to present in the future? Well, I haven't seen enough from Adam Gase. That, that's the problem to me. Look what Ryan Tannehill has done in Tennessee getting away, away from, from Adam Gase. I think that's a factor when you start to look at what Sam Darnold has done, which is basically the same kind of year that he had last season, and he hasn't been able to build on some of the momentum he had in December. So I'm not disappointed in Darnold necessarily. I just I don't believe in the coach. You don't believe in the coach? No. At all? No. You think Darnold's the real deal? Yes. You'd No doubt about it? No doubt. No doubt. All right. There you go. Feel good about him. Very nice, Pete. I don't know if he could be Daniel Jones. Five touchdowns, 300 yards. You know, he's only the second rookie to do that since 1950, Daniel Jones. That's tremendous. I know it's gonna have to go back a ways. He's a good player. He's gonna be a really he's gonna be a stud for the Giants for a while. He looks good. Yeah, it appears I was wrong, and I'm prepared to 
happily be wrong about well, it and course. admit my mistake. Who cares if you're right? Or, I mean, at, at the end, uh, you might not have liked the pick, but if he ends up being the guy for the Giants, yeah. and Gettleman, Gettleman's going to hang his hat on that one. He's going to remain his you know, yeah. forever, right? <laughs> you could knock him for his fifth-round pick or his sixth-round pick or that dopey Leonard Williams trade. Listen, I, I brought you Daniel Jones. Oh, uh, Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman were selling Leonard Williams hard during that broadcast oh, yesterday. Oh, they really were. They really were. You're right about that. Spielman with the effort. How many times has he talked about know. the effort? Oh, they're going to give their A effort. They're going to give their A effort. Did you hear the weird Brenneman comment about – I don't. it had to be, I think, going into overtime, the weird, I don't know if anyone's actually tanking in the end. Like, and it's like, dude, I don't know if he was trying to be like <laughs> a company. It was a little no. much. Yeah, if he was like a company guy. Or, but like talking about it as if it was like this theoretical idea of tanking. No, 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 no. The Dolphins are tanking. The Dolphins gave away basically every single talented player they had, then let Josh Rosen play, realized that he couldn't play, so, like, reluctantly went back to Fitzpatrick and have been good because Flores is a good head coach, it appears. He is a good coach. But the Dolphins tried to tank. They did try to tank. The You're Bengals right. are tanking. Yes. They have nobody good. No. And even yesterday, the miraculous comeback, they still found a way to lose that game right. in overtime. Smartly. And, and Brenneman's also going to realize his audience. I mean, the majority, I would say 78 to 80% of the audience, Redskins and Giant fans alike, are rooting for their teams to lose. Yes. Right. He was calling that like the Super Bowl. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> he was excited was about the, it. Oh, was my God. Take the it was lead. over the top. Touchdown. <laughs> anyway, Pete, how are you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Take it away. You know, the Cowboys were hoping they could pick up a win. You get all these teams that are uh, ruining their draft chances. The Cowboys had a chance to win the NFC East. Did, couldn't do it. Lost to a banged-up Eagles team, 17-9. Ezekiel Elliott held to 47 yards on 13 carries. Now, Dak Prescott missed some throws, also dealt with some drops from his receivers. We didn't get it done. Uh, we're too talented of a, of, of a team and individuals to, to not make the plays, starting with myself. Uh, and it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. As for the other side, Carson Wentz on the win, and they're standing in the NFC East. We're excited. Um, you know, that was one of the first things that, you know, I was feeling in there. Obviously, everyone's excited about this win, but, hey, we got one more. You know, we got, we got to go win one more. We've, we've won nothing yet, um, but we're excited for the opportunity. You know, we're, it's, it's in our own hands to, to go take it. And of course, the Eagles clinched the NFC East with a win over the Giants or a Cowboys loss to Washington. We'll see if Giants-Washington can uh, impact their draft pick uh, anymore uh, and cause some spoilage in the NFC East. Elsewhere, a damaging day for the Seahawks. Stunned on their home field by Arizona, 27-13. Seattle also losing running backs Chris Carson and C.J. Prosize, both believed to be done for the season. Seattle flexed into the Sunday night game with the 49ers. The winner of that will take the NFC West. What a season it's been for Lamar Jackson. He's almost certainly locked up the MVP award. I don't think there's much debate on that any longer. His Ravens also clinched home field throughout the playoffs, 31-15 over the Browns. We want to get to the Super Bowl. This is not a Super Bowl game. Um, we, we fought hard. They fought hard. You know, they won this victory as bad as we did. Um, we didn't want them to, um, you know, just zip us 0-2. You know, we had to, you know, even it out. We, we would we would have hoped it would have been 2-0 and on our on our part, but it is what it is. I'm just happy, you know, we're 13-2 right now. How about Jackson? Did you see his throw before the half where he's being harassed and just yep. kind of chucked it up in the back of the end zone? You think, oh, that's going to be a pick. And the guy's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Finding touchdowns, You're making right plays. That. He is crazy. Oh. He's crazy good. Fun to watch. Yeah. Ran for over 100 yards. And uh, Jackson said he expects to play in week 17, but that'll be a coach's decision. Really he shouldn't even go to the game. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Doesn't mean anything for Baltimore. Now, the Steelers, they wouldn't mind Jackson staying on the I bus. I agree with you. I don't, think there's any, I don't think there's any reason to play Lamar Jackson. I mean, maybe you want to play, you know, you don't want to have him then. 
conceivably speaking, because you have that first round bye, you're looking at what two and a half weeks without mm-hmm. without throwing in a competitive game or playing a competitive game. I know that's a while, but I mean, heaven forbid you should get hurt in that game. And how would the change the dynamic moving forward? There's no need for him to see action. No. Some guys have to play just because of the, the numbers of it. He, yeah. he he can't play. What about sticking it to Pittsburgh? That's their rival. No. Pittsburgh needs this it. game after they lost to the Jets. They no longer control their playoff destiny. As Yeah, but don't you have to worry about yourself, Pete? Don't you have to worry about I mean, if the Baltimore Ravens, they're, all they're worried about is trying to win a Super Bowl, get themselves through the AFC. They're, you know, all roads are going to run through Baltimore. I, I get the whole idea. If you were talking about seeding or something, uh, they've locked everything yeah. up. I it's mean, a next-level rivalry. It's the only reason I, I even think it's a yeah. question. Yeah, no, I, I get that, and they hate each other. Both teams, yeah. uh, you know, both franchises can't stand one another. The problem you have, though, is if Baltimore's got too much to lose should an injury happen. And RG3 could get in there and I, try to end well, Pittsburgh's season. There he, you go. Maybe, yeah. maybe he could play that role. Uh, the Raiders are somehow alive in all of this as well. Oakland beat the Chargers 24-17. So if the Titans, Steelers, Colts, and Raiders all finish at 8-8, eight eight, Oakland is in. There you go. They got a chance. Lloyd they got Christmas. got a chance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Bengals, they won the Burrow Bowl by losing 38-35 to the Dolphins in overtime, clinching the top pick in the draft. Broncos, Falcons, Colts, Chiefs, other winners. NBA, the Lakers dropped a third straight, 128-104 to the Nuggets. LeBron James missed the game with a pulled muscle in his rib cage. The Raptors came back from 30 points. This is the largest comeback in the NBA in a decade, and they were down 23 in the fourth quarter to a good team. The Dallas Mavericks, 110-107, Toronto with the big come-from-behind win. And baseball, the Blue Jays signed left-handed pitcher Hyunjin Ryu to a four-year $80 million deal. I was deal. surprised by that. By him going there? Yes. Yeah. Were you not surprised by that? They're talking about David Price as well and I bringing him back. I, so I, but they've I, got the offense. They do have the offense. I I, I mean, maybe I missed out. You know, you heard all these other teams on Ryu, maybe the Angels and everything mm-hmm. like that. I, the last team I thought he would end up with would be the Toronto Blue Jays getting a four-year $84 million deal. They've got money to spend. They do. You're right. I, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. I, I When that announcement came down, I, it kind of surprised me. Are they the second best team in the AL East now? It's Boston's trading off a, a lot of pieces Boston if they is, actually do it, I suppose. Well, yeah, and and you look at the Bets. Rays are still so mentally tough, though. Right. That's the other thing, and mm. they're so well-managed, and they find they seem to find these bit pieces that come in, and all of a sudden they're hitting 25 or 30 home runs. I, I still think I, I'd still give the edge to the Rays, but uh, I think you can make an argument for the Jays. Yeah, and the Jays also signed infielder Travis Shaw. So There you go. They're busy. They are busy. Pete, good job, brother. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next hour. We're going to talk a little college football. Dan Wolken, USA Today, is going to join Bogish and myself next. It's a Monday morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to one and all. CBS Sports Radio. And Andrew Bogish with you. The bowl season is upon us. College football, obviously, back in the fold. Well, it's never, never that far away from our next guest's mind in his mind's eye, and that is Dan Wolken, USA Today, covers college football. Hey, Dan, happy holidays. Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. What's going on, guys? We're doing well. I mean, Danny, we're, we're doing well. A, a lot to get into. Let, let's start here. Um, 
you know, in terms of, you know, obviously Cowboys yesterday with another bad loss in Philadelphia against the Eagles. We know there have been, you know, a lot of people that think Lincoln Riley maybe is going to be a future Cowboy coach. We know that there have been reports, even though Jerry Jones denied it, that Stephen Jones has had conversations with Urban Meyer. I know you wrote about it. Do you think Urban Meyer would work in the NFL? I really don't. Uh, Urban's obviously a great college coach, and his record speaks for itself. But I just think when you look at what makes him so good in college, there were a couple things. One, recruiting. He was obviously an elite recruiter on the level almost of a guy like Nick Saban. When you look at the talent he was able to get at Florida, the way he was able to modernize the operation at Ohio State, and they started recruiting all of a sudden at a level even above where they were previously. And then the other thing is Urban, I, I think really more toward his uh, Florida and Ohio State uh, part of his career was much more a motivator than he was uh, a guy who was out scheming people. At one point, his offense was maybe a little bit innovative uh, when the spread first kind of hit college football. But Urban is not a guy who you're going to hire in the NFL to bring in some great scheme. Uh, his greatest strength was as a, a manipulator, as a motivator, getting guys to buy into a team concept and I just think that's a little different in the NFL when you're talking about professionals and millionaires than 18 19 year olds so does that mean you know guys like Cliff Kingsbury or I mean and you know Pete Carroll now long established is it the guy that's more of the rah-rah coach is he the better has the better chance of going from college to the NFL I think you look at Cliff Kingsbury he was hired for one reason it's because of his offensive system and a lot of the concepts that the NFL is trying to uh, implement uh, from college. Kingsbury was kind of the face of that, and and, uh, he wasn't some great success as a college coach at Texas Tech. In fact, he got fired and then ends up getting a head coaching job in the NFL. But but he brought a system with him and and a system that, uh, with Kyler Murray being drafted number one, I think will – uh, be interesting to watch in, into the future. I, I think with look, Pete Carroll had a variety of experience. You have to remember with Urban, he has never worked one single day in the NFL. Not saying he can't adapt, he can't learn. He's obviously a very smart guy and he, he knows football. But I just think the reason teams are interested in him is because he's a big name, not because of uh, some skill set uh, that he represents that people think would work in the NFL. What about the other side of the equation, Dan, when it comes to the Cowboys' specific interest to him in him, apparently? Do, would you trust Jerry Jones <laughs> to actually step back and let Urban be Urban and run things the way he'd want to? No. I mean, Jerry Jones is not going to do that. Jerry Jones is uh, the guy who makes all the big decisions for the Cowboys, and I don't know why, at whatever age he is, uh, he's been doing this a long time. He's owned the team, and, and he's done things his way for forever. I don't know why that would change now and, and why it would change just because you get Urban Meyer. So yeah, that, that seems like a match uh, uh, made in hell or something like that. Uh, maybe not quite, maybe, maybe not quite hell, but it, it, a match made in chaos, certainly uh, because both those guys have a lot of drama around them. And I don't know how well that would uh, work harmonically uh, in, in big D. You know, it, but I, I get the the whole. I, I guess my next question, though, Dan, do you think there's general interest from Urban uh, that, uh, of taking on that next step or, or going to the National Football League? Do you think that you know? Do you think it's it's real and it's genuine interest by Urban Meyer? Yes, I think so, and I think it's because he's probably not going to get another college job. Uh, Urban, given all the baggage, uh, there's a lot of school presidents who just don't want to deal with him, don't want to hire him. Uh, won't really consider him. I think that was the case at USC this year. 
And so when you combine that with the – like there's certain schools, certain jobs that would hire Urban Meyer, no doubt. But those aren't the kind of places Urban would want to coach because they're not places where you can set things up the same way, where you can recruit the same kind of players, where you can win national championships. So it's a very small group that, that would even be in the conversation, and, and I don't think those schools are hiring Urban anytime soon. So, yeah, I think the next thing is if he does want to coach, he's going to have to look at the NFL. Dan, switching gears to the to the Final Four, the games somehow are already here, which seems kind of crazy. But uh, you wrote recently how uh, kind of simple it ended up being picking these four schools. So does that mean four is the right number, or, do you, or could we maybe add some more teams so we get a little more intrigue and things are a little more dramatic for that final rankings reveal? Well, I think if you had a perfect system in college football, the, the playoff would be a different number every year. Some years it would be two. Some years it would be four. Some years it would be six. Of course, you can't do it that way, right? Um, look, I, I think you can do a great eight-team playoff, but what you would need to do is you need to get rid of the conference championship games. Um, I think if you have the conference championship games and an eight-team playoff, not only does it make the season too long, but then you're putting in teams that lost their conference championship games um, or you know just don't really, at the end of the whole thing, look like teams that could potentially be playoff teams or, or national championship teams. Uh, you start to get... You know, really deep in that field to those six, seven spots. Most years, those are just not going to be teams that are going to be able to win a national championship. So um, I think there's an argument for staying at four, but I just think the momentum of eight, the lure of eight, the idea of what you could have with some of the matchups and on-campus venues is in the money that's there to be made if, if television wants it is um, definitely going to be too much to overcome in time. But I think it'll be many, many years before that happens. You know, right now, Dan, going into these national semifinals, who do you think the best team in the country is? Well, I, I think after you saw the SEC championship game, it would be hard not to go with LSU. You know, there was a period after they beat Alabama, and they gave up a lot of points to Alabama, but, the, you know, then they come back and, and they kind of look very average defensively against Ole Miss. Um, they've had games this year where, where they're, they've not been able to stop people. And so you did have more questions about whether LSU was really the best team. But the way they finished and the way they beat A&M at the end of the regular season, the way they absolutely throttled Georgia, I think you kind of have to go back to LSU and say they're going to be really tough to beat. And especially when you look at uh, you know playing Oklahoma, their big favorites in Atlanta, they would play the championship game in New Orleans. Um, they're they're going to be really tough to stop, and their defense looks healthy and strong really for the first time all season. The absences, the injuries, the suspensions for Oklahoma, does, does that lead you to think this one's not going to be close? Well, it certainly doesn't help matters. Uh, Oklahoma was up against it no matter what. But when you start to add in some of the personnel that they're going to be missing in this game, uh, it, it definitely makes it tough. Like Everything's going to have to go right for Oklahoma to have a chance, and, and they're going to have to not turn the ball over. That's going to be key. That's been a problem uh, for Jalen Hurts in that offense. But if they can do that, then they're still going to have to play really well to, to be in the game. And, and defensively, if they're going to have their hands full uh, because Joe Burrow and that offense, just no one slowed them down. They have not had a bad game all year long. So I, I really think LSU is a, a big favorite. Um, there's a path for Oklahoma to win, but I, losing guys on the eve of the game doesn't help matters. You know, Dan, when you look at the other semifinal with LA, with uh, Ohio State taking on Clemson, how much does it motivate Dabo and the, that Tiger team? It, it's kind of like they're the forgotten about defending champ. Everyone's talking about LSU. A lot of people are talking about Ohio State being the most complete team. 
for what they were able to accomplish, Chase Young, Justin Fields, and the like. It's almost like Clemson has become an afterthought heading into these national semifinals. Yeah, except they're really not. I mean, they're favored in this game. And if you look at the last half of the season, everyone understands that they've just been throttling people. And, and they haven't necessarily gotten as much attention for it because they're not beating anybody and, and the games are not really – people aren't really tuning in to, to see them you know, play three quarters with a four-touchdown lead over Wake Forest. No one's really interested in that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they've been a little bit off the radar, but it's only because they've been beating people so badly and they have not played the kind of high-intensity, high-leverage games that you know, Ohio State did down the stretch when they have to play Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So, uh, look, I think everyone understands Clemson could absolutely win this, this playoff. Uh, they've got great offensive players. It's the same guys, basically, who did it last year. Uh, that coaching staff has had a knack for getting those those guys to peak for the playoff, and they play their best football this time of year. Uh, but they just have not been tested in the same way. Uh, Ohio State has looked a little more human, a little more vulnerable. And I think there's a reason Clemson's favored. It's because I think most people think they're actually the better team. Dan, I didn't notice this. I missed it somehow until I was going through your, your Twitter timeline this morning. We're really nearing the end, not immediately, but soon, of no more SEC on CBS. Yeah, well, it was reported over the weekend, and, and I certainly believe that this is the case, that, that CBS has backed out of uh, the, the deal for the SEC game of the week, uh, which they've had for a long time, and they've, they've had it, frankly, at a, a pretty discount price. So this was kind of one of the last big cash-in opportunities for the SEC uh, when those rights go to the market. Uh, and I, I don't think they're actually um, – the contract is actually still running for a few more years, but the SEC is already in the middle of the, those negotiations, and it sounds like – uh, you know, ABC, ESPN uh, might get those. And, and look, for the SEC to have all of their football rights under the same umbrella, I think there's an alignment there that might make some sense. Um, and especially for the price, they're looking for a lot of money, and it seems like they found someone who's, who's willing to give it to them. Uh, Danny, final one from me, and that is this. Uh, aside from the two national semifinals, what other bowl matchup are you most intrigued by? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's almost – we almost kind of forget all, all these other games. Bama, I, Michigan? I, yeah, I'm, I'm not really – I mean, look, it's Harbaugh playing Alabama, um, yeah, there's some there's some heat there, but what kind of Alabama are we really going to see? Yeah, Who's going to be sitting out? You know, are they going to be motivated? It's a it's a consolation game for them, and but it's obviously a big opportunity for Michigan. Um, you know, I, I certainly think uh, – uh, you know, Penn State-Memphis and the Cotton Bowl is an interesting game with as dynamic as Memphis has been. Uh, can they, you know, the, the group of five team has always done pretty well in those games. So, yeah, there, there's some, some decent matchups. But, you know, everything's so focused on the playoff. Everything else kind of seems uh, a little bit secondary. Hey, Danny, happy holidays uh, to you and your family. Um, and uh, enjoy all the bowl action. And we appreciate the time here this morning. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the week. You got it. Uh, that's Dan Wolkin. Uh, USA Today Give me a good feel in terms of uh, uh, where we are in the college football landscape. Yeah, that's a big – I mean, you think about it. It was big news over the weekend. You hit upon it with him, uh, Andrew, in terms of the SEC game of the week and CBS. And, uh, it doesn't it appears, feel right. No, it doesn't feel right. It appears that's going to be going to ESPN, right? ESPN and ABC, right? Yeah, I think the deal goes, the current one goes through 2023, and Sports Business Journal said CBS's plan is to keep going unless ESPN and ABC was to buy them out of the remaining years of their deal they want to take over sooner. 
Oh. And right now, so CBS pays $55 million a year to the SEC for football. This next contract is going to be over 300 mil annually. CBS's last offer was 300 mil even. Apparently, it's closer to 350 for ESPN ABC. So 350 for ESPN annually. ABC. Annually. For football. And what's their current deal paying them? 55. Oh, my God. They're getting six times what they're currently getting. It's amazing. You know, you, you, and that's really what it what separates you in terms of a, a network and entity is you got to have the games. Right. I mean, you got to have the games. Yeah, and CBS says they'll send that money other places, invest in other sports and other leagues. But, I mean, that, it's the SEC. Well, where are you going to invest? Where, right. Where, 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 I mean, where are you going to go? I mean, that was a staple. You think about SEC football, you right. think about CBS. I mean, yeah. Hearn and, and, and you know, Danielson. Danielson and everything. That's what you thought about. Right. And it, it, it made sense to have that one game in that one spot every single weekend. And I guess the ESPN pitch is, if we have all of your games, then we've got more flexibility. We can feature games at different times, have games back-to-back. Uh, and I guess the SEC likes that and certainly likes, you know, 50 or 60 mil more from those guys. Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you. It's a Monday morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to one and all. We come back. We're taking it right up until nine right here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.